From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Welcome, everybody, to this latest episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast. We uh, had a conversation about professional services sales with Mark Wainwright, who's the founder of Wainwright Insights. Um, that's a firm that offers oh, professional services sales consultancy and, and fractional sales management services. And, and we'll have him explain what that means in a little bit. The conversation was so full of insights that we actually went like way over time. And so what we'll do for this one is cut it in half, like the recording, right? And, and turn it into a two-parter. So any further ado is get into part one and start it at the point where we ask Mark to introduce himself and, uh, well, essentially start the conversation. Did you want to start there and explain a little bit how that works? Sure. Yeah, I kind of stumbled across this whole kind of fractional sales management thing about five years ago. And I have about 20 years of experience working for and with professional services firms. So I brought those two ideas together. There's lots of, of fractional uh, professionals out there, yeah. CFOs, CTOs, those sorts of things. And I brought sort of a sales lens to that fractional approach. So I work only with professional services firms and I only work with individuals who are not full-time sales people. Mm -hmm. So a little strange, I'm offering sales management to a people who aren't really comfortable with the world world of sales, even saying the term sales gets them a little, a little squeamish. Yeah. Uh, and, and I offer sales management to those individuals and to those firms. And there's two fundamental parts of sales management. And one is I train and coach individuals on how to, um, you know, improve their sales acumen, you know, get mm -hmm. more com comfortable and confident um, with sales. And I also help build and run the systems, the sales systems that organizations need to stay organized and to kind of build that whole sort of revenue engine. Yeah. And honestly, that's, that's when, when we stumbled upon your content and your website, that's why we wanted to invite you, have you on that second part right there, because we, we think that the sales systems and processes, like you describe it, those, those need to be much better understood in, in our world, which is the marketing side of professional services. Mm. And um, yeah, we just discussed this before turning the mic on. We had a little call beforehand mm -hmm. or chat beforehand, and you walked us through the very basics of setting up a sales process system matter you have to tell me what the better word is for, for a consulting practice what that might look like and then we can we can i think that's a very helpful thing to do for our listeners so yeah that's where right. we we wanted to go with you today if you don't mind because we do ash and i we talk about the importance of sales yeah. all the time we, we encourage people to go into their firm's crms if they exist <laughs> to drive <laughs> reports which might be helpful for the marketing and whenever we do and have those conversations we realize that there is some knowledge Mm -hmm. but not very much. And uh, from a bottom, I always had this saying in German, which 
drove me nuts, but he said half knowledge. I don't know if that translates well, but half knowledge often endangers the entire project. <laughs> like so, mm. so only knowing 30% of something can be quite risky. Yeah, so there we the, go. Let's, uh, let's talk some more sales process, if you like. I think the, the phrase that you just said, maybe the American version of that is that, you know, you know, just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> that is that is the one that I hear um, okay. and probably use. But it's probably good to set out a little terminology here. Let's talk about sales and marketing because there's always a little bit of confusion. In some instances, there's a little bit of tension, maybe a little bit of conflict between the two. Mm -hmm. So I look at those two things differently. Some firms think they're the same thing and there's a ton of overlap. But if you start at, you can start at either end, you can start at the marketing end or the sales end. If you talk about when the, when the, the, the ink is drying on a piece of paper on the contract and the work is to begin, what's happening at that moment are selling activities. And if you rewind the clock slowly, you're still kind of in the middle of sales activities. At some point, those activities start to overlap a little bit, maybe with marketing and then rewinding further, you're clearly in, 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 the, world of, in the world of marketing. Marketing's task is to you know, generate interest, awareness, engagement, and so on, and, and, and yeah. then hopefully be able to you know, generate um, interest to the level where uh, you have leads that are being uh, kind of handed off or, or, or presented to the, to the sales team to then work and close, right? Those are sort of like sales yeah. and marketing terms, right? I also try to differenti differentiate the two in that marketing activities are one-to-many activities yeah. and sales mm -hmm. activities are one-to-one. And I also like to think that marketing is more promotional and sales is more inquiry-based. So I look at those two things a little bit differently. So just to differentiate between the two. And your audience may be very familiar with that. They may have those ideas in their head. But I know in professional services, often they get confused, particularly yeah. in the industries that I work in. I work with a lot of engineers and architects and, yeah. and, and those folks, yeah. and they just use those terms interchangeably. And if I just can... can hop on there because yeah. you said our audience might be familiar. I think they are. Um, but I just want to point out that there's still, there's always merit and still doing what you just did and defining it with the business. I mean, Ash and I drone on about this all, all the time, but yeah. there's, there's so much confusion around all these things, just creating clarity around even the basics here so, sometimes already helps overcome some, some naughty problems in, in front. It's, just wanted to drop yeah, it's a Yeah. It's, it's a refresher primarily because people, are aware of these things but not the qualifiers and because they're not looking at the qualifiers and looking at the big picture because often when looking at some of the people that be who listen into us they kind of work on both the marketing and sales end yeah true and it kind of like you know they mix them up purely because they're looking at the entire journey and funnel and on and when you do that you kind of miss a few things a few nuances yeah. so when, especially as they hand over to like teams as they you know widen their business yeah. right right great great point and and also i think if people look at that entire process it can be confusing and i mm -hmm. run into that a lot with a lot of the individuals i work with a lot of technical professionals who aren't necessarily sales or marketing minded then mm. they're overwhelmed about how do i move someone from not knowing us to you know contracting work with us how is that how is that even possible so anything that that lacks clarity lacks definition uh, just yeah. becomes confusing and they sort of short circuit and they're like, all right, I'm not going to participate in that, which is a common problem in many uh, professional services firms is that you don't have enough individuals who understand and who are actively engaged in, in all of this, in the finding and winning new work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So definitions check 
right? Or high-level definitions sure. done. You recently wrote an, a blog post. I think it was part of a series, actually, which which and we'll put that in the show notes, where you where you walk people through the setup of a very foundational sale. I'm gonna call it a sales process, which then can sure, even get rep, will even get represented in software. But to be clear, and that's why I like the article. You don't even talk about CRMs here. You just say here's how you would represent that in a spreadsheet, and people can can go and check it out. But maybe can can you walk us through the you just described the sliding scale. So how, how does this, let's presume yeah. we've got the marketing done. And I think maybe we are at the point where someone has written some email and then said that we, we're exploring working with your firm. Let's say we, mm. we pick up there. Uh, if you agree, right. like how, how would you structure a sales process or how do you structure sales processes for, for your clients from, from that starting point maybe? Yeah, yeah, and and I think we can get into the nitty gritty of, of of that if we if we have time at the end. There's so many little details, okay. but overall, yep. mm -hmm. from a from a business process standpoint, and 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 we've we've talked a little bit about this is that you know CRM and selling has to be a business function and a business process, and then the tools come in after that to help sort of support that process and enhance it and make yeah. it uh, yeah, uh, like more that. efficient and more effective and things. So so. If if organizations are struggling with sales, a lot of times that means that they don't have sort of a a fundamental business process in place, or the you know bits and pieces of it. Who does what? When? When do we have certain conversations? What activities are related to, you know, advancing opportunities within our sales pipeline? If they just don't have that structure in place, yeah. um, then no CRM system, no silver bullet, anything is going to sort of help them be successful at that. Yeah. So first and foremost, when we talk about a process, it has to be, it, it's a business process and it has to do with activities and behaviors and, and, and people that mm. are inside your firm and how they are interacting with your perspective and, and, and current clients. So that's when I look at the sales process, it always starts with the people first and it starts with the activities and the conversations that they are having. When I refer to the sales process with the clients I work with, I refer to mm. it as the sales conversations. Because oh, particularly in professional services, um, where there is a low frequency, high dollar, complex, you know, deliverable or or service offering, it it inherently means that this needs to be shepherded through with conversations. Now we've yeah. all heard the information that you know the 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 B two B buyer is progressing through their own sort of buying process a good ways before they start to engage prospective, you know, service. You know, consultants or, or or people who can who can help them, but nevertheless, there's still conversations required. It's hard, and mm -hmm. one of the things we really don't understand about the whole buying and selling uh, world that I like to make sure I highlight is that we all think that sell marketing's hard, selling is hard. You know what else is hard? Mm -hmm. Buying is hard. Yeah. Buying is very very difficult, and one of the one of the biggest challenges of both marketing and sales is to make that easier. And we don't do a good job of that. I would say yeah. and we as in sort of the world of professional services, because we offer more and more complex services, we just don't make that whole buying process very easy. So from a process standpoint, it's about the people, it's about these conversations. And once you have that in place, or once you, once you start to find something that is successful and effective, then you can start to build these systems kind of around that. And I think that's what we'll talk about in a little bit is that what does a CRM system start to look like? What are the bits and pieces of that that form around your business process? But but just 
uh, one moment pause when you say the the people in the conversations so you tr you you define a sort of a what is that a cadence or a sequence or whatever where we mm -hmm. where we are clear about if a prospective client comes in through the door here a virtual door who who talks to them and what's the first conversation about what's the second conversation like how many ever you know you, you sort of define right that's that's the idea yep. so yep yep okay absolutely <clears throat> And and you could do that right on a whiteboard or something, right? It's beginning mm -hmm. points. Yep. You could just you would just literally draw it out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I think what one important thing to keep in keep in mind with all of this is that there's always a there's a a, 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 a rational logic approach to all of this. You know, so yeah. what is what first conversation would you have with an individual that you have not had with them previously? Mm -hmm. You know, and and well, it would be a get to know you conversation, and you would want to talk less about potential work to be done and talk more about their priorities, their preferences, yeah. those types of things. And then you, and then you kind of move forward from there. So that's, that's yeah. where those where the, and, and I think we get, we get in professional services, we race to the solution really, really quickly. And, um, so yeah. we start with look, that. Look at what we have here. So yeah. You don't even awesome. get into that whole conversation. More importantly, you don't sometimes even like chat that you've done this. And when you talk yeah. about CRM, that's, that's a big, Thing. it's like should we talk should we actually record that we've done this should we like put anything they, they just as you guys are saying like go straight into the deal <laughs> i've i have i have current clients under contract that never in the entire sales process did i pitch did i get into detail did i pull out the slide deck did i do anything yeah right yeah. I ne th that conversation never happened because of the simple fact that I approached approach sales from an inquiry from, from, from inquiry and I started asking questions, you know, right off the bats, preferences, priorities, what's important to them, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So over time they start to infer my expertise rather than me needing to sort of, you know, highlight it and be explicit about it. I mean, at some point, you know, there are, a, there are a few things that I like to show to help people sort of visualize and navigate this whole, this whole mm -hmm. sort of process. Cause this is a process that takes time. But I, I, I never and maybe rarely get to the point where I'm like, okay, now it's time to pitch because it's just, that's just me talking. Right. And it's just, that it, that's not, it's not what this is about. If I'm going to be truly client centric, I need to, I need to be focused on them. And when I'm focused on them, that means they're doing the talking. Right. And yeah. I think a lot of times sales fails with this and, and, you know, the clients that I work with, even, you know, even folks that are humble engineers who, you know, would would never be sort of promotional or boastful in nature or things they just their default setting is thing i'm just going to talk about myself because that's yeah. what i know and that's what i'm comfortable with so which i think that's interesting because as you going back to this idea of this describing or maybe prescribing i don't know but a structure of types of conversations you can you can sort of program that in right imagine yourself still being at the whiteboard and saying okay first question like i said it's a get to know us meeting here's a couple of questions you might want to do and then the next step is this and this and that. And, and yeah, you could program that to be to be client centric. I can I can see that. Now there is lots of lingo out there in sales world, and I think it's brought to us courtesy of CRM software, right? Typically people talk about stages, right? Someone comes in as a marketing qualified lead, some black box stuff happens, suddenly they're a sales qualified lead, then they become an opportunity. 
As, can you shed some light because we had we had definitions of it? Are you mm. do you use this with your clients as well? Because I mean, you do have to have some steps if you define the process. Mm -hmm. But but how, how important yeah, is that yeah, the, lingo the, there? The, the, yeah, the, the lingo and terminology can be very very confusing. Leads, as you said, leads are people. Leads are individuals, right? Mm. Um, or you know, there is not some piece of work, or uh, you know, I work with a lot of project based um, yeah. organizations. There is no project floating around, you know, in the ether or across the universe that isn't associated with an individual. It's just, it's not floating around out there. There's always an individual associated with the the lead, right? That's a, a lead is a is a is a person. Yeah. And an opportunity is that person associated with an organization associated with work to be done, a contractable opportunity, right? So that's you know a, a, a deal. That's that's an opportunity. And uh, sometimes they get kind of confused. Some people even, you know, when they start using CRM systems, they don't see the utility in creating because mm -hmm. most CRM systems will separate those things, two things out. They'll say, OK, these are your leads and these are your deal opportunities. Um, they don't see the utility in creating that separation. It, it is important because when things become opportunities, we start looking at them a little bit differently. Yeah. And we can talk about that. But yes, uh, a lead is a is a is a person. And an opportunity is when we qualify that. And the qualification has to do with a number of things in different businesses, different organizations have to overlay a process onto that. There can be things like timing. There can be things like understanding decision makers and decision making processes, other things like that. You know, it's it's in professional mm -hmm. services. I tend to think we we have to prioritize the qualification of the client and mm -hmm. the qualification of the work to be done somewhat separately, but nevertheless, both are important components. I think a lot of times what we find in professional services is that service providers are simply qualifying the work to be done and not really paying enough attention to qualifying the client. So I think there's a really critical two-part sort of qualification, which which moves it from a lead to an opportunity. Interesting. And by qualifying use, I mean, in the broader sense, what we mean is we 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 validate that that will be a good fit. Service is easy, right? Is that the type of work we do? Can we, do we seem to have a reasonable chance of being successful doing this? Yep. And when you say they don't qualify the client well enough, what's what's that about? Is that, does that go into areas like, I don't know, cultural fit? Do, you know, do we like the people? Is that a brand we want to associate ourselves an, with? I don't know, what's, what's that? Yeah, could it be more like, you know, the opportunity fit or rather the offering fit even? Uh, yeah, to a degree, you know, just to just to make sure that that I mean, we can't there's no solution without a problem, right? You know, yeah. and a lot of times the you know, we're 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 out there kind of offering, offering these solutions up and in search of a in search of a problem, which is not which is not a good approach. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, more important, like, what highlights the importance of what I just said about qualifying both the work to be done and the client is that if you fast forward six months down the road, 12 months down the road, depending on how long this sole service delivery contracted work takes, inevitably the issues do not arise from the complex or technical uh, complexities of the work to be done. Problems often arise or you know, 90% of the time or from just the client you know, consultant dynamic, just a lack of yeah. communication, you know, where, uh, you know, expectations aren't clear. There's just all kinds of different issues that arise from the relationship and not the work, right? So yeah. we're inevitably, we're banging our heads against the wall because the client is being unresponsive or we're just out of sync or we're just not simpatico. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so that then thinks, well, how could we, 
how could we avoid that? How could we address that ahead of time? And it's like, well, we go through a rigorous qualification process where we're qualifying the client and we're making sure that, you know, we are of like mind, that we are in sync, that they do in fact have, you know, the, the same, the, 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 the same goals, you know, in, in mind that we can help them, help them achieve. So, yeah, I think it's, it's absolutely a two-part and, and, and a lot of times, we just focus on the work to be done. So, yeah, so that's a big yeah. first step. That's a big first step. And we have to, the other, the other thing I'll add to that is that all throughout the sales process, we have to be hyper aware of any yellow flags or red, red flags that start to crop up in this entire process. So we need to build a, build a sales process that brings those to the surface. Yeah, that's really interesting. If you like track this in a whole process, it makes it more efficient and it actually helps them from what you're saying to because why chase someone who's just going to be a constant red flag right right it's 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 true so so that the inquiry that you mm -hmm. would bring in in the early stages of it your mind goes wow do you think oh uh how how do you like to communicate how often do you like to communicate mm -hmm. um you know how much time you know should we provide for you know sufficient back and forth if we're in an asynchronous sort of you know uh, communication situation what tools do we need to communicate you know how should we how should we assess and reassess that we are on track um mm -hmm. you know can we have open and honest conversations about the progress of our work together um you know are 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 you willing to give and take as we move through this because we know there's going to be um you know, speed bumps and hurdles, and there's going to be things that we run into together. You know, are you willing to, to, you know, have very genuine, open and honest conversations? Or are we going to find ourselves where you're just in a cover your ass situation, and we're really not having these genuine, you know, yeah. conversations? Yeah. Um, you know, are we all pursuing the same goals together? Right? Yeah. So and, these and are early, early questions that we need to suss out. Yeah. So that's interesting because you, 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 I think we're bridging from, so we've defined the process that's cool. Mm. Then we've discussed, or what you said there is, I think, establish very clear criteria about who gets to be taken through it, right? That's what you just talked about. And then, yes. and now we're already in also establishing criteria from, I think, uh, who gets to progress from one step in our process to the next, right? How do we make that sure? Because what you're describing here is I already, okay, they have was good enough so we take them to step one right we're having the get to know them conversation and you are outlining yeah. questions to take there right so so okay i guess we have to do that for every step now right we have to say okay what's who's when is someone good to move on to the next thing um what this makes me want to ask is how about responsibilities because that's again a crm thing right i assign also a contact from inside mm -hmm. my firm to the opportunity right so who, who's who's asking the questions do you is that always super clear or or do, do you recommend firms also define that or is it just a whoever brought in the opportunity or has time or whoever picks it up or we have two people on the senior team who do this and that's how it works so how, what's your model there for, for the rest right of the right uh, yeah. it's a it's a it's a valid question i think the larger the organization the the more complex that situation can be but no, no opportunity or no deal can survive without an internal champion. So yeah. I think ultimately it comes down to, to an individual to champion that. You know, again, if we're talking about, you know, relationships and individuals in professional services that we're delivering these complex services, the people element is really important and to have a central point of ownerships is critical. If the, the other thing that, that comes from this is that if ownership and responsibility is diffuse, 
you know yeah nightmare everybody's job is nobody's job right that's yeah. that's a huge <laughs> yeah. problem on one hand and the other thing is that when we start to kind of understand attribution because attribution is super important you know we have to be able to attribute revenue to specific individuals in an organization to understand how how they're how they're performing how they're yeah. growing that over time you know mm -hmm. and i think a lot of times firms are hesitant to do that because like oh it was a team deal it's like it wasn't a team deal it was bill's bill's deal bill brought it in he closed it it's bill's thing you yeah. are all supporting bill and his effort that's good so we and you know and yeah, and if you're not super clear about that, sorry, I, because that is something I've seen, not being in sales, but I've seen, I've, I've witnessed the fallout from that not being clear when there's all kinds of what we used to call tagging shenanigans, right? Stuff gets moved around and so mm. three partners get together and reattribute to make sure everybody gets the, you know, the, their fair yeah. share come performance reviews, like all that nonsense. And it's not, it's not done in like sinister evil intentions. It's just people will use the wiggle room in the system if it's if it's there right so i think and, it's it's important to be clear about hmm. when you mention attribution how that gets done and and how decisions are being made if something's not clear like there should be a i don't like i don't know how the lawyers call it but there should be a, a mitigation process for there's an exception and now our rules aren't aren't sure. good enough and we need to make a decision right how to do this but I can I ask a question about that? Your recommendation here, because we like you heard this, you hear this from software as a service companies and other B2B businesses like that, the front end piece, like marketing gives a lead to, and this is where the bracket is, right? And then it's often a sales rep or something like that. I think what's your recommendation for professional services firms? Or what do you see happening? Is it is it goes does it go to the partner or the MD or whatever straight away? Like let's say it's a credible opportunity. What's what's your view there? How how do that the handover who does the first hmm. when marketing is finished who picks it up even even right. just for a short time what's a good it, thing it's here? it's you know and and i and, and i mentioned this i it, it varies from organization to organization obviously the larger yeah. organizations that have more resources they can bring they have bigger deals the deals are more complex it's probably someone sort of on the you know project management level almost okay. that helps coordinate this because ultimately um, you know, if all deals sit at the partner, you know, managing director level, whatever it is, it's that those yeah. people have so many different you know, responsibilities in organization. It's really hard for them to 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 shepherd and do the day to day or the week to week that's involved in very complex deals. So, you know, I frankly prefer that someone who is uh, very focused, very diligent and able to pay a lot of attention to these deals kind of own them so i'm very happy having someone that's a little closer to sort of the project management level own opportunities yeah, interesting. Um, mm. because they're task oriented and i will tell you um the people who end up being the most successful at professional services are the people who can bring you know a diligence and a rigor in an organization have the titles you know have been doing this for decades whatever else you know, the people who are really, really organized succeeding. So that's where I think uh, these things end up being most successful. And I, you know, I hesitate often to bring the word hustle into this because a lot of people think, oh yeah, sales, it's just a big hustle. Um, but hustle from a rigor and a diligent standpoint is yeah. super important when we start talking about sales. And, and you need someone leading the charge that can bring that to opportunities, particularly in professional services where these deals are big. Yeah. And I, th I think yeah. there's a there's a positive back. And I mean, we've probably all been on the receiving end, right? Of uh, partner flies in, sells the dream, and then the team is yeah. stuck with delivering it. I think that probably yeah. tends to happen less, right? If if to your point, if the project manager 
yeah. runs it, who's still in in the trenches and knows what the team can deliver and whatnot, right? I mean, there's always you. You always have a little bit of overselling here and there, maybe even with the mm. project managers. But I think the risks there are mm. way less in terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah which then point. also makes for a better client experience, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. From a let's <clears throat> so so we talked a bit about the qualification thing. I know people are yeah. like, well, okay, what's next? What's next? So so I'll mm -hmm. I'll just go over it really quickly. I mean, generally the process as the steps in the process, and you'll if you've had used a CRM system for a while, or if you've been familiar with business processes, you know, sales process, a lot of these are built this way. Um, but there's a qualification process, you know, which is the fierce defender of your pipeline, right? And I want to yeah. highlight that and we can talk about that. But, you know, it's like you should be beating off bad opportunities with a stick, right? You should have that mentality that nothing, nothing that isn't worthy of our organization should be in our pipeline, right? So that's, that's qualification. You're trying to find out, you know, qualifying the people, you're qualifying the opportunity, the work to be done, um, and you're 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 quickly removing anything that shouldn't shouldn't be there. The next step in this whole process has to do with discovery, learning again, inquiry based, discovering the details of the work to be done, discovering the nuances of the, of, of of the team of the organization, what their big goals are, what their dreams are, and you know, primary and importance in all of this is you know not making not making your discovery focused on the tasks and the what the what they get right that's task orientation yeah. that's deliverable focused what they get right what they get out of it is the shift when when you move to okay what their ultimate goal is and what they're going to assign value to hmm. so discovery has to be focused on what they get out of it surfacing the the value the ultimate economic value of the work to be done and what the client ultimately wants to achieve. So discovery is focused on that. A proposal should simply address your discovery. That's it. A proposal is not all about your organization. It's not about your awards. It's not your, you know, the 14 resumes of your team members. It's not your 30 years of experience and your cut sheets and all that other stuff. It's your proposal is a yin yang response to the discovery. In discovery, we understand all of these things. This is your organizational goals. This is what you want to get out of this work to be done. This is when you want to get, get it done by, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Our proposal, this is how our proposal addresses that. This is how we will address that. This is how we will achieve the goals. This is how we will achieve the timeline, et cetera. That's it. Right. Yeah. And then obviously there's the pricing. Then you bring in pricing, you're bringing your three option pricing. You know, if you're fans of um, Blair Enns and Jonathan Stark and the other folks out there who do a really, really yeah. great job about pricing and value pricing and everything else. You provide a three option of pricing proposals. So, so we get to that. And then negotiation is really important. A lot of people think, oh, we don't need to have negotiation in our sales process. Um, because, you know, once we give them a proposal that they accept, we cut 10% off in the fee because they asked us to, and then we're done. Um, well, you need to have negotiation there because you should be proposing solutions that invite a conversation. And number two, will invite some level of negotiation. It's like, oh, that's really expensive, but we really want that. Yeah. So negotiation has to do with kind of surfacing these default behavior in people. Like, oh, ooh, that's, that's, that's really important, but we're, we can't spend that much. Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble if we spend that. You know. So there's all these things that start to surface in negotiation because we're right at the point where the, the the pen is about to hit the paper and we mm. get all these really sort of like human behavioral things starting to surface. So negotiations is a super important part. It's recognizing objections or concerns, addressing those piece by 
piece by piece and not necessarily addressing them from a price standpoint, but addressing them from a, well, you know, what are, what are all the pieces of the puzzle that we can use to address? Yeah, a, a scoping standpoint as well, terms? right? Yeah. Sure, um, sure. Scope, well, we, yeah. sure, we, we can pull out 20% of scope. We can do something just to get started. You know, if we're unsure about spending a quarter million dollars right now, let's just spend 50 and get started, you know, which is hopefully is one of your options. Or you can say, look, let's adjust terms. Um, you pay us up front and you get a 10% discount. You don't pay us until we're, the work is completely, you know, you don't pay us a cent mm -hmm. until we've delivered everything and you give us a 10% bumper. You know, there's all different ways to negotiate yeah. at the end of a contract that, that doesn't mean you sort of dropping your fee, which chews away your profit and there you yeah. go. So, so that's, and, there's our framework. There's our steps. Boom, 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 boom. I just ran through them. And a CRM is one of the things that we can use to help run that. Yeah, to replicate those. And and I will okay. recommend people find your article and, and, and read it to to see how they might be able to build that thing in a yeah. spreadsheet. But I think the the essentially the idea is like people know Jira boards, like so these Kanban boards, right? The logic is the same in columns in the spreadsheet. You move yeah. this from the stages you just described from left to right, and it's there's some clarity on who are the people involved on the client side and on our who's the shepherd and I was like these types of things. I, I really liked, um, to, wanted to make two points. So I liked your point about the negotiation and the, the options. And I think the go, they go with each other, right? If I offer not one price, but three options, yes, there will have to be a conversation following that proposal, right? right. To, to, and to maybe, and to your point, helping the client buy, again, if, if the intent is, I help them pick the best option for them, right? That can be useful. Right. You, you might also go in and say, I try to push them to the most expensive thing, but that's probably a losing proposition. I don't know. Um, and and my the other thing I wanted to shout out is in those conversations, and I know we're talking sales, but just a reminder, if interesting pushback and interesting objections come up, do your marketing team a favor, bring those back to us because that can mm. inform our content planning for the right. The, if you go out of the negotiation and then you're like, damn it, I wish they just understood X so they would have bought the most expensive option. Like, give us mm. the X, right? We can we can turn it into a blog post. That, that's almost a joke here. Right? We can yeah. turn that into a piece of content to help whoever's doing the selling next time not even have that conversation because it's in our, it's on the marketing side of your, of the slider you described initially, right? So, that, and this is usually gold mine information, which... And, and I've been in various right. firms, I did not always have, or I was had to ask for, and then it was mm -hmm. like pulling teeth, blah, blah, blah. It's a very, that's a very good spot to close the loop, to use a consultant phrase <laughs> between marketing and sales, right. bring back those, those negotiation <laughs> questions and objections. So we really yeah. love them. I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's great. This is where we cut off for today. Thanks for listening in. I hope you thought this was valuable. We, we enjoyed this section quite a lot. And we also enjoyed the second half where Mark dives deep into CRM systems and which ones to use and why, which we will hear next week. Yeah. Until then, have a nice rest of the week uh, and eventually a happy weekend. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us.